Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Now, I'm, I'm ready for the word. I hope you are. Hope you came hungry this morning. Come on. <laughs> this morning, we're continuing with our, our series, Level Up. Uh, last week, we talked, about, we talked about Peter, if you remember, and Peter's hesitance to change his way of thinking. He was stuck in a very traditional mindset and God was trying to take him to a different level, but it required him to change his thinking. And again, um, the, the sermon was entitled, it starts with the mind and you can, you can check it out on the Primera podcast. And uh, this morning I would like to take a, a look at a, at a remarkable story. It's the story of Jacob. And I don't know if you know much about Jacob, but he's, he's got a pretty a, a amazing testimony. Unfortunately, we can't go through his entire story today because it's pretty long, um, but we can definitely summarize it. Uh, Jacob, if there is one word that we could use to describe his life, it's, it's struggle. Jacob lived his life in the struggle. Amen. Um, you know, he, he came from a very dysfunctional family, a family that, that where his, his father, Isaac, he favored Jacob's twin brother, Esau, and, and his mother, Rebecca, actually favored uh, Jacob. And, and one day something happens, right? Jacob knows that he is going to be blessed. He doesn't know how it's going to happen, but I'm sure his mother, Rebecca, told him, hey, uh, God told me that the, that the older shall serve the younger, and that's you, Jacob. And Jacob, one day, he tries to take matters into his own hands, and, and he, he deceives uh, both, the, both his, his father and his brother, and he, he steals his brother Esau's blessing. And from that moment on, his brother Esau vows to kill him. He says, as soon as my dad dies, I'm going to go after you and I'm going to, I'm going to kill you. And, uh, so naturally Jacob, he flees and he goes to work for his, for his uncle, uh, Laban and Laban, he, he, he turns out to be a kind of a jerk because that's the, that's the best way that I can describe him because, uh, he goes to Laban and he says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work for you for seven years. But after that, those seven years, I want to marry your daughter, Rachel, because she's got it going on. Amen. And sometimes you, sometimes for those who you love, you're going to do some things, amen, reckless love, right? So he, that's what he says. I'm going to work for you for seven years. After those seven years, I want your daughter. He says, okay. And those seven years come, and, and Laban, he actually says, you know what? I'm not going to give you Rachel. I'm going to give you my other daughter, Leah. And Leah, she's all right, right? Uh, but but, but she, she's, no, she's no Rachel, right? He wants Rachel, so he says, all right. All right, Laban, I'm going to work for you another seven years. And this time, please, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And after those seven years, I want your daughter, Rachel. So he works a total of 14 years. He marries Rachel and, and Leah. Um, and, you know, time passes. They have children. He takes some issues with, with his, now his father-in-law, who was once his uncle, Laban. And uh, so he leaves. He leaves Laban's home. And, and he's trying. He's on his journey back home. And so we get to this part of Jacob's story where his whole past is about to catch up to him because he hears that his brother Esau is making way towards Jacob and his, and his people, his family, and with him he has 400 men. So just, just imagine that because after 20 years of not seeing this, your estranged brother, you know that he wants to kill you. You know that, that you deceived him the last time that you, that, that, that you saw him. It was, it was ugly. It got ugly. And you know that he, he vowed to kill you. So Jacob's naturally freaking out. He starts to panic. And he's probably thinking that he's going to die. And he's wondering where his blessing is. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach this morning. You got you to listen. He's, he's wondering where his blessing is that God promised to him in chapter 28. If you read 28, God promised to give him many nations that are going to spread all over the, all over the world. God promised his, uh, his safe return. He and his family are going to return safely to, to his home. And Jacob's in this, in this incident here, in this situation, and he's looking around, and he doesn't see a way out. He doesn't see, uh, he doesn't see an exit, and so he's thinking to himself, God, where is it? Where's the blessing? Where's the exit to this situation that I'm facing? Have you ever asked God that before? See, most of, most of the time we ask God why, because we don't understand why God's putting us in a situation that we're, that we're facing, and we're trying to gain some understanding. So we ask God why. I don't understand. Help me understand. But other times, the question is where? Where? And it becomes where because we're beginning to doubt if what we've been expecting is really on its way. If, if, you, if you know about Thomas, the apostle Tom, uh, Thomas, when he heard that the disciples had seen the resurrected Jesus, he didn't believe him. He said, unless I see him with my own eyes and unless I can I can touch uh, his nail pierced hand, I'm not going to believe him. So where is this Jesus, this resurrected Jesus? And Jacob hears that Esau is coming towards him and he has 400 men and he's Jacob sending him all kinds of gifts, donkeys, flock, oxen, I mean, as a peace offering to, to hopefully stop the, the boiling waters. And we get here to Genesis 32 and we're going to read it. Genesis 32, verse 9, Jacob does something that he was right in doing. He prays. Can you, can you say amen to that? Sometimes you just got to stop, and when you don't know what to do, you just pray. And so that's what Jacob does, and he says, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all these deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant for which only my staff I crossed this Jordan. And now I, I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offering as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Amen. There's something very insightful that I, that I really want us to grasp this morning. Um, because one of the first things... That, that Jacob does here in his prayer is he calls out God on his promise. Look at it. I mean, that's the very first thing that he does. He says, God, you said to me, return to your country. And then he also ends his prayer the same way. He says, but God, you said that I will surely do you good and make your offering as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered. And so just by the details in which Jacob recalls the promise that he received from God years ago, you know that it's a promise that he has held very closely to his heart. And he hasn't, he hasn't forgotten about it. It's been probably in his mind every single day with every struggle, with every heartache, with, with every headache that comes. He knows, man, God promised me. And now he's calling God out on his promise. You know, Layla's getting to an age where if you tell her you're going to do something, you better do it. Um, you know, a lot of us as parents, maybe your parents did it to you. Um, they tell you things that you want to hear just to kind of get you off their back, right? My parents used to do it all the time with Alexa. Um, Alexa would want to go somewhere or, or want to buy something, and, and they would say, okay, Alexa, tomorrow. 
And it was it works. Like I even did it because I was like, man, this is this is pretty effective. So anytime Alexa was trying to come get me to do something, I said, all right, Alexa, tomorrow. And most of the time she didn't really care enough to call us out on it the, the next day. But sometimes there is something that that someone tells you that they're gonna give to you, a promise, and you really want it. And Layla is very she's very strong willed. When she's got something on her mind, she doesn't let it go. Like she, it's, I don't know, I don't know what it is. God help us. She's only two. <laughs> but she gets something in her mind, and 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 she's she's focused on it. So if we if she starts telling us, we're hung, I'm hungry, which she does every ten minutes. I'm hungry. We might tell her, okay, when we get home, we'll make you some mac and cheese. If we get home and we discover that there is no mac and cheese, our night is ruined. I, I promise you. Our night is, is ruined. We can't, we can't do anything. And I can try to, to replace it with something else, but no, she wants mac and cheese because that's what we said we were going to give to her. And you know, God's promises, when he makes a promise, his promises stand, church. They, they don't go away. God doesn't make a promise that he's not going to deliver. Amen? So if God told you that, that he was going to do something in your life, or that he was going to do something in your, uh, your, your, your ministry or your career, he's going to do it. He is going to do it. You better believe that he is going to do it. But sometimes, church, our faith is going to be tested in the process. And I'm telling you this, church, because it's so true. Your faith is going to be tested as you wait for the promise that God has made you. But we don't like that. We want God to make the promise today and then deliver it tomorrow. We treat God like he's Amazon Prime. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, we, we treat God like, like he's Amazon Prime. Like, give it to me. Instant downloads, right? We want it now. But he's actually more like those, those 12 to 15 shipping days. Like you read that and like, oh, no, I better, just, I better just go buy it myself, man. I'll go pick it up halfway across the country. I don't want to wait 12 to 15 days. We don't like waiting. And unfortunately, I've seen a lot of people walk away from their God-given destiny because they just didn't, they didn't trust God enough to just wait it out. And Jacob here, he, he's feeling the heat, and he knows that he's just moments away from getting burned, and everything that he's held on to for so many years might just all be for nothing. Church, i got to be honest with you because that's what i got to do behind the pulpit. God is going to let you feel the heat. He's going to let you, man, he, he's a kind God, but he's a little bit more unconventional as a father than we are as, as parents. See, as parents, we, we tell our kids, hey, Don't go by the fire. You might get burned. God's like, I'm going to put you really close to the fire so that you might get burned. But he does it for a reason. God might put you inches from destruction, and and you're going to think that a blessing isn't coming. And if you're anything like me, in the past, I've actually convinced myself that God never even made me a promise. It was just something that I made up in my mind, and I'm calling it a promise of God. And, 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 And you convince yourself that God made you a promise. It's in these moments of doubt, church, and testing of your faith that God is watching you very closely to see what you're going to do next. And everything's on the line. And Jacob is trapped. And he doesn't know what he's going to do, church. He's looking for a way out. I mean, he's got like a little plan B, but it's, it's not very good. And so in desperation, he calls out to God and he says, God, you told me you were going to bless me. Sometimes we need to call out God on his promises, church. We don't like doing that because we're afraid that he's going to, like, strike us with lightning or something. 
But we need to call out God on his promises sometimes. And it's, it's not because God might have forgot. God, God doesn't forget things. He's not like your husbands. Amen, ladies? All right? I forget all the time, everything. God's not like that. <laughs> no, nah, I ain't going to say that one again. <laughs> Once is enough for y'all. <laughs> but it's not like he, it just, he got so busy and it just slipped his mind. Oh, yeah, I did say I was going to bless you. Let, let me get to that. It's, it's not like that. It's not like God changed his mind because if we claim that God is an all-mission God, an all-knowing God, he always knows what his ultimate decision is going to be. So it can't, it can't be that. So what is it? When we call God out on his promises, church, it, tell, it tells God that we're still holding on to them. It tells God that we're still believing in him, that we still have hope and faith that, that he's going to do what he said he was going to do. It's like God wants us to call him out on his promises. See, because when, when God makes a covenant with a person, he doesn't do it, he doesn't do it unilaterally. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not one directional. God makes the promise, and we have to position ourselves to receive the promise. And so when you tell God, God, you said it was going to happen. God, you said you were going to restore my marriage. Man, I, I heard Sister Marie's and David's uh, marriage testimony this week. It was, it was so powerful. If you haven't, if you haven't heard it, it, it's powerful. Usually I, I go on, and if I see a video that's 30 minutes long, I'm like, sorry, sister. I'm, I'm just going to give you a like. Uh, but, but, you know, I was like, let, let, me, let, let me listen. I was, I was at the gym, um, and, I, and I replaced my podcast with, with, with this message, this testimony. And I was, I was there on the treadmill like, man, about to speak in tongues, man, because it's so powerful. And it confirms what we're talking about. When you tell God, God, but you said you were going to do it. God sees that you're doing everything that you can to position yourself, to align yourself with the promise that he said he was going to give to you and that you're still committed to it. So God might put you, church, inches from the fire to make you feel the heat. But, but instead of giving up and saying, you know what, God, if you're not going to come through for me, I'm just going to give up. If you forgot about the promise, then I'm just going to, I'm going to forget about this destiny. I'm just, I'm going to quit. Instead of doing that, why don't we, when God puts us really close to the fire, why don't we say, hold up, wait, God, something isn't right here because I'm about to get burned, but I can't get burned because I haven't received your blessing yet. I can't get burned without you touching my life. I can't get burned without you giving me what you said you were going to give me. You said it was going to happen. I've been waiting for it to happen. Make it happen. You got to call out God sometimes. I might have jumped the gun a little bit. We're going to roll with it. Because Jacob, you know, when he prays this first time, this passage that we, we just read, and he calls God out on his promise, he does it, right? He, he calls God out, but he does it in a very subtle way, kind of, kind of passively. I mean, you read his prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. It's very humbling. It's very respectful. It even sounds like he's... He's trying to be patient, yet very eager. But something happens later that night when Jacob takes his family and he sets, a, uh, he sets up a camp. And why don't we just read it? It begins at, at verse 22. It says, the same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the fort of the Jabbok. And he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. I want to stop right there. Because I, w- I wasn't planning on stopping right there. But when I read this, when I read verse 24, and Jacob was left alone, God spoke to me. When was the last time you were alone with God, church? 
I'm not saying, maybe you pray with, with someone in the same room and, and you think you're alone with God, but that, that, that's not what I mean. When was the last time you were alone? There was no one around you and it was just you and God. Let me tell you something, man. God does things when you're alone with him. And you know, I wholeheartedly believe that, that families should pray together. Husbands, you should be praying with your wives. Uh, parents, you should be praying with your children. I believe in that. I believe in corporate prayer where, where we come together as a church and, and we pray for, for our nation, for our church, for our city. I believe in all that. But, but there's something about solitude that is incredibly important. Because you'll say things to God that you wouldn't say in front of anybody else. Let's be real. You'll, say, you'll cry out to God so loudly in desperation when you wouldn't do that with anyone else in the room. You'll confess things to God that no one else knows about and you don't want anyone to know about. You might even show a little bit of fear when it's just you and God, when you don't want anyone else seeing that you're afraid. Things happen when you're alone with God, church. It's kind of like you and your spouse. Women. When, you, when, you, when your husband does something or your boyfriend does something in public and you're not okay with it, you reserve yourself, kind of keep your cool, right? You don't want to make a scene. But everybody knows that you're mad because you're really short with him. Everything that he says, you're, you're rolling your eyes everywhere, right? Every, everybody knows it. You're ignoring him. And every know, everyone knows that you're mad because when a woman is upset, it's really uncomfortable for everyone. I don't know if you know this, but for the guys, it's like, get me out of here. But... You don't let the real you come out because the real you's got some real things to say to your husband. And everyone knows, everyone knows that the husband is going to get it when he gets home, man. And sometimes us guys, man, we, we text the guy, hey, good luck out there, man. Like, we're praying, we're praying for you. <laughs> things also happen when you're alone with God. When no one else can see your vulnerability, church. When no one else can see your tears when no one else can see the anger that you're about to unleash that is why solitude is so important to your relationship with Jesus Christ and look what happens next the second part of verse 24 it says and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him then he said let me go for the day has broken but Jacob said I will not let you go unless you bless me Come on, did you get that? I don't know if you got that. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and it prevailed. I don't know how many of you can actually relate to this. But I read it and I was like, man, this, this is me. Because Jacob is in a very vulnerable state in, in, in his life right now. And he sends his family away. And that's probably a good thing because, again, had, had his family stuck around, his prayer might have been a little bit more passive like it had been the day before. He might, not have, he, he might not have let the real him come out because he wanted to be composed. See, before he called God out on his promise, but in a very passive way. He said, God, yeah, hey, remember your, the promise that you made to me? Like, hey, I'm, I'm here now. I'm ready to receive it. Um, you know, let your will be done, Right. So if his family was still with him, Jacob might not have been able to do what he, was, what he had done when he was alone with God. Because I was thinking about this. No, no father, and I can only speak as a man, 
No father wants his children to see him weak. No, no husband wants his wife to see him so desperate. There, there are some times in, in my life where I'm genuinely afraid. I'm afraid for my family. I, I have a feeling that something's going to happen, and I don't share it with my wife. And maybe I shouldn't. I, I, it wouldn't necessarily mean I was wrong in doing that. But I do it because I want my wife to know that I'm the priest of my home. And I, I want her to feel like I got it together and I'm not a mess and I can protect the home. So sometimes I just go to God in solitude because I don't want her to see me so broken and so afraid because I'm the man in my house. And so it was necessary that Jacob got away so that he could pour out every fear, every struggle. Every ounce of guilt that he had for being known as Jacob the deceiver his entire life. Every pain, every tear, every desperation. The Bible says that he wrestled all night with God and he would not let him go until he blessed him. See, he was no longer asking God to bless him. Now he was demanding to be blessed. If you've been looking for a a biblical reference of what it means to pray with authority, it's right here, church. Because Jacob is demanding what God promised to him. And he says, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to stop bugging you. I'm not going to stop asking you. I'm going to keep persisting. I'm going to keep having faith. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep battling until you bless me. Because you said you were going to do it. He says, the gloves are off, man. The gloves are off. It's just you and me. I don't care how desperate I look. I don't care how weak and pathetic I look. I don't care. I need you to bless me because you told me that you were going to bless me. My hip is out of my socket. I'm on the ground. I'm all alone. I can, I can barely move and I can't even walk. But you know what? I'm not going to let you go with every fight, with every last breath that I have in me. I'm going to demand that you bless me. Man, what would happen if we prayed like that? Sometimes God withholds his blessing from you because he's waiting to see how bad you actually want it. And this reminds me of the New Testament. There's a New Testament version of this. When, uh, when Jesus refused to heal the daughter of, of this Canaanite woman, if you, if you remember that story, it's in, it's in Matthew 15. You read it, and, and this woman, she comes to Jesus, and she's begging for her daughter, for her daughter's life, because she's, she's demon-possessed. And she goes up, and I don't know how far she travels on foot, but she finds Jesus because she knows that Jesus can make things happen. And the first time she goes to him and she asks, hey, Jesus, can you heal my daughter? Jesus ignores him, her. He ignores her. Have you ever felt ignored? <laughs> Have you ever felt like you're just praying to the ceiling? And your prayer is not even making it past the, the roof. You feel like God is ignoring you. But she keeps going. She keeps persisting. She says again, Jesus, I need, you, I need you to do something. I need you to heal my daughter. She's demon-possessed. I don't know how much longer she's got. She needs deliverance right now. And Jesus says, not, and this time he answers her. He says, hey, I was only sent here to help the lost sheep of Israel. Not you. Those are harsh words coming from our Lord, our dear Lord Jesus Christ, man, right? Our sweet Jesus. Ay, Jesus, que lindo. <laughs> Harsh words coming from Jesus. 
And then it gets worse. She keeps going. She keeps bugging. You know how women can be, right? When they really want something. <laughs> she, keeps, she keeps going because her, her daughter's life is on the line. And she says it again. Jesus, I need you. And he turns around again. He says, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Jesus basically calls this woman a dog. And at, at, at this point, I think most, most people, most women, unless, unless you're Latina, you just take off your earrings, have it out with Jesus, right? But most people at this point, they would have just walked away in defeat. They would have turned around with their face, just, just their hands buried in their face, depressed, disappointed, because she came to Jesus with everything that she had, but he told her no. But remember what we said earlier, it's when God turns on the heat that he's watching to see what your next move is going to be. What's the next move of this woman? She keeps going. She doesn't care what Jesus calls her. She came to Jesus for a blessing and she had every intention on leaving with that blessing. And she says, she says, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs from their master's table. She says, fine, call me a dog. That's if you want to call me a dog, that's fine. I'm a dog. But today I'm going to be a blessed dog. (laughs) And the Bible, the Bible says that Jesus praised her for her faith. When everyone else probably would have just walked away, she kept going. She kept persisting. She kept fighting. She kept battling. Until Jesus gave her the blessing that she came to, that she was looking for. And what he says, he says, be it done for you as you desire. For, for us, I think we give up a little too quickly on the things that we desire. I don't know if I'd even call them desires. Because desire, you would do anything for the things that you desire. You would do anything to get that promise that God has promised you, but sometimes we just, we give up prematurely right when God is ready to give us that blessing. We just got to keep going. We got to, we got to keep asking. We got to call God out on his promises, church. You want to get to the next level in, in, in your life, in your ministry, in your career. You want that next blessing. You got to demand it. You got to call out God on his promises, church. You got to show God that you've been persistent, and that you've been able to withstand all the struggles and all the storms. And through all of that, you have not lost sight of what he promised you. And then you got to go out and you got to spend some time in solitude with God. And you have, to have, you have to develop a prayer life that goes beyond the kitchen table when you're praying for your food. That goes beyond your bed and your pillow when you're, when you're saying your, your night prayers. You need to develop a prayer life that, that, is, that is just always just one-on-one with God. And demand that blessing because God has it for you. And he's just waiting for you to ask. I'm going to ask that we stand this morning, church. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.